Thank you so much, Monroe. Really do appreciate you reading that. Welcome to all of our regular members and all of our visitors with us today. So thankful to be together, to be able to come together and praise God and worship him at this time and place. And if you are visiting with us, you are special to us. Just by being here, you're an encouragement to us, and we pray that your being here is an encouragement and blessing to you. As we keep saying here at Sunny Slope, we simply want to be the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. If you have any questions about anything that you hear us say or see us do, please ask. Because again, we just want to fit that image and just be the Lord's church. And we're thankful that you're here. If you have not yet filled out a visitor's card, we hope you'll do that before you leave. Leave it on your seat so we have a record of your presence here today. And however we can help, let, please let us know. Wonderful to be back with the family here at Sunny Slope. My wife and I were gone a couple of weeks and uh, just had a wonderful time visiting with family and kids and grandkids down in central Missouri and then southern Illinois. I'm sorry, southern Louisiana. And uh, wonderful, relaxing, special time. And thankful to those who filled the pulpit for me in the class lectern. I appreciate Dwayne and also Adam filling the pulpit last couple of Sundays. And also uh, Mark taking my class on Sunday, on, on Wednesday evenings. Really do appreciate that. Good to be back, though. Really is. Blessed to be able to speak at the congregation down in Louisiana where I preached for many years before coming to Omaha. And I've been here in Omaha a number of years longer than I was there. And so it's great to be back here with the family at Sunny Slope. Really wonderful, wonderful uh, fa uh, spiritual family right here. We're thankful to be here and to be back. As we get into the beginning of a new year, I think it's appropriate that we focus, and I've talked about this many times, you know, in delivering the first lesson or two or three at the beginning of a new year, that a lot of people make a lot of resolutions. Listening to Adam's lesson on, on uh, uh, podcast from last Sunday morning, he talked about those New Year's resolutions, and he also alluded to the fact that a lot of people make resolutions and then they kind of fall by the wayside pretty quickly. We're going to lose 50 pounds, or maybe just 20 pounds. We're going to change a job. We're going to do this. We're going to get better at this. It's always to improve ourselves in some way. And we are kind of vigorous about that initially for the first few weeks. And then it gets kind of challenging because it takes ongoing commitment. And we kind of let them fall by the wayside fairly quickly. Well, I think it's appropriate for us to think from a spiritual perspective that I need to really focus on staying faithful to God, staying true to my confession of faith in Jesus Christ. The scriptures talk about that repeatedly. And so this, today and next Sunday, I wanna talk about how we are in a battle, a lifelong battle for our souls with the devil. And make no mistake, he's there. He's there all of the time, and he's always trying to bring us down and lead us ultimately away from God through sin and thereby into eternal condemnation. Don't let the devil win. Don't let the devil beat you in your spiritual life this year or at any time. The devil is your adversary. He is your deadliest enemy. Now, I know we've got war going on over in Ukraine right now, but 
Something we don't realize most of the time is there's always war going on somewhere in the world, virtually every single day of every year. War, conflict, all kinds of problems, and, and that's, that's common to this world. And it is so different from what it will be like in heaven. But now to be in heaven, we need to live the life that God wants us to live here. And that is in faithful obedience to him on a consistent basis. The devil is your deadliest enemy and he seeks your destruction. In 1 Peter chapter, one, uh, chapter uh, 5 verses 8 and 9, Peter wrote this, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, your adversary, one who stands against you, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. The teachings of God's word in the Christian faith. Resist him steadfast, firmly, consistently in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are, are, are experienced by the brotherhood, your brotherhood in the world. The devil is always active. He's always active in your life in trying to lead you away from God. And many people are following his lead. As Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18, he said, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. In other words, they're simply serving what makes them feel good and what they want. That's what they're after and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. <clears throat> so the devil is very effective with a whole lot of people. Now he may be less effective with a whole lot of other people in that, that first group where he's effective with a whole lot of people, very effective, they're walking with it. They're living in sinful lifestyles on, a, on an ongoing basis. But now there's others with whom he is maybe not quite that effective, but he still gets them to keep dabbling in sin and to keep you know, just kind of weakening their dedication to God. So we need to make sure we're not in either one of those categories, any one of those groups. Many are walking by his influence, Peter says. And when we look also at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, Jesus said, for narrow is, or enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And he's talking about eternal condemnation in hell. And he says, and there are many who go in by it. So Peter said, many are following his lead. Jesus, he basically affirmed that and said, many are going down the wrong pathway through life that ultimately will lead them to eternal condemnation in hell because of sinfulness in their lives. The only way to effectively resist and defeat the devil is to live in faithfulness to God, to walk faithfully by his teachings, to walk with him hand in hand. And I keep saying over years and years and years, as long as you'd never let go of God's hand, he'll never let go of yours. As long as you're walking with him consistently, faithfully, he'll always walk with you consistently and faithfully. And we don't think about God being faithful, but when you think about what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, 
Paul said that there, is no con- that there is no temptation that has overtaken you, but such as is common to men. And God is faithful. The middle of that verse will not suffer you or not allow you to be tempted beyond your means, but will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Right there in the middle of that verse, God is faithful, it says. And as long as you stay faithful to God, God will always stay faithful to you. In James chapter 4, beginning with verse 7, James said, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So a lot of people, remember those two groups that I've said. With some people, the devil is very effective in his influence. They're living sinful lifestyles on an ongoing basis. And they can be all kinds of different kinds of sinful lifestyles, but they're living in sin all the time. And then there's that other group that, well, okay, they're, 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 they're trying, or they want to. At least they're, they're verbalizing faith in God. But they're still caught up in sinful practices on a, con, on a continuing basis. Now, I'm not, not living maybe in a completely sinful lifestyle, but they keep giving in to the sinfulness, the temptations. And so they find themselves kind of back and forth, wishy-washy. We don't want to be in any, either of those groups. And I'm not saying that we should look down on them. I'm saying we don't want to fall into those kinds of lifestyles. And so what what does James say there? And notice we've read Peter, we've read Paul, we've read Jesus. And here's James saying the same thing. How do we overcome the devil? Submit to God. As long as we're walking with God, there's no place for the devil in our lives. We want to do better this year. And the most profound bottom line way that we need to be focusing on doing better is in our spiritual lives, in our relationship with God through Christ. We need to get basic. We need to set our mind. We need to make up our mind that with God's help, we will not let the devil win in our lives this year or for the rest of our lives. We will not let the devil win. We need to set our minds again. Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. The apostle Paul said, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. It's a mindset. It's a focus. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. A whole lot of people, you know, heard a fellow tell me, he actually was a deacon in the church down in Louisiana many, many years ago. And, you know, God bless him, he's gone on now to meet the Lord. But he talked about, and I hadn't really thought about it until he, he brought that up. People during the holiday season, they will really focus on spending a whole lot of money and buying a whole lot of presents and giving to maybe a whole lot of different people. And they'll spend so much that a month or so after the holiday season is over, he said they'll be taking a whole lot of that stuff to the pawn shops and pawning it because they don't have the money to pay now for the charge cards or the loans that they've taken out. So they've got to get some money. So they'll take a whole lot of that stuff and they'll pawn it so that they can have money to pay for the excess that they had spent over the last couple of months or so. Well, 
we need to set our mind on things above. Our real hope is not in the things of this world. Our real hope is in Christ. In Christ. So we need to set our mind, focus that we're going to walk with God this year. We're going to be dedicated to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this year. And not just this year, but the rest of our lives. And we're going to actually live the life, not just say the words. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. People are looking for peace in their lives. They're looking for peace in their lives. And that peace is only found in Christ. Now, they read all kinds of self-help manuals. They go to seminars. They, they pull up podcasts. They talk to people. Maybe they even go get professional help of one kind or another. But what they're really looking for, Jesus says, I've got for you. Just come to me. You'll find rest for your souls. Jesus invites you, pleads with you to come to him. And Jesus offers you forgiveness and salvation. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 15, he told the apostles to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 on Pentecost, when many of those Jews gathered, having heard that gospel sermon that Peter and the rest of the apostles were presenting to them about the crucified Savior and the risen Savior, the Savior who is now at the right hand of God in heaven, waiting for that time when he'll come again, that final day of judgment. And many of those Jewish men, they said, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent. You rejected your Savior. You've got to accept him. You refused to be obedient to him. You've got to obey him. You denied him. You've got to confess him. You've got to repent. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of sins. And you should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've got to turn your life around. You've got to make that commitment. Jesus offers you forgiveness and salvation as you are baptized into him. Jesus has, he offers you eternal life with him in heaven. In Revelation 2 and verse 10, Jesus said here, his words, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. John wrote those down as, as, as the revelation was being revealed to him. But he's writing down Jesus' very words there. Be faithful all the way up until, and even including the point of death, if necessary, dying for your faith in me, and I'll give you the crown of life, eternal life. Jesus has already paid the price for your redemption and your forgiveness of your sins. Ephesians 1 and verse 7, Paul wrote, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. <clears throat> that redemption, that forgiveness is only in Christ and he's already paid the price so that you can have those blessings. You can be blessed with redemption, being bought back through the sacrifice of Christ, bought, brought back into a right relationship with God. 
forgiven of your sins. Incredible blessing that Jesus has already paid the price for you to enjoy. And through him, you can be cleansed of all guilt. Think about Saul of Tarsus before he became a Christian. He was, he was an angry, rageful enemy of Christ and of Christianity until he learned the error of his way, until he learned his mistake, until he came to believe in Jesus. And you talk about a person who repented 180 degrees, that was Saul of Tarsus. And so he talked about how when that Christian man Ananias sent by the Lord himself to teach him the gospel, asked him, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. A whole lot of people are carrying around an anvil on their shoulders, a weight that is crushing them down spiritually and even emotionally because they've got sin in their life that they haven't let go of. But Saul of Tarsus, becoming a Christian, a gospel preacher, a divinely appointed apostle of Jesus Christ, he learned that as he would submit to his Lord, to the gospel message of salvation, that anvil could fall off of his shoulders. He could be forgiven. The question would be the same for perhaps you today and a whole lot of people in the world right now. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Jesus offers you profound peace that even surpasses understanding in its fullness. The night of his betrayal, he's with the apostles. He tells them, John 14 and verse 27, what a time to say this. He's going to be on the cross the next day. But he tells them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then the Apostle Paul writing in Philippians 4 and verse 7. He talks about this wonderful blessing from God. Spiritual peace. Remember what Jesus said in that invitation? Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. That's the peace that he offers us as our Savior. And so Paul wrote, Let the, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. People are searching, groping around, looking for inner peace, but they're looking in the wrong places. Jesus offers it to them but they've turned away from that peace consistently. Jesus offers you your only real hope, the hope of salvation in him. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, our hope. 
Yes, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You talk about hope, you talk about peace. That's where men, that's where people, that's where everybody ought to be looking to the real source of ultimate peace and hope. Oh, but the devil, he wants to rob you of that peace. He wants to take away your hope. He wants to alienate you from God by leading you into sin, into dis, into unfaithfulness before God, into a lifestyle that is disobedient to God's teachings and thereby lead you into eternal condemnation. In Genesis chapter 3, I want us to look at that and I want us to read the first eight verses of Genesis chapter 3. God has created the first man. He has created what we would call the institution, a relationship of true marriage by creating the woman from a rib from the man and bringing her to him. And as you come to the close of, of Genesis chapter 2, it's described, it's identified as marriage. But the devil quickly appears on the scene. And you talk about how he uses allurements, he tries to make sin look good and positive and desirable. Beginning with verse 1 in chapter 3, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman responded accurately. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, going back to chapter 2 and verse 17, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. But now the devil comes into his practice of deception and outright lies. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, that sounded great to the woman. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, not truly, but according to the devil, and a tree that was pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And that was in direct disobedience to God, and that is sin. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And everything changed at that moment. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid from God's presence because now they were sinners. Oh, the devil was skillful. He makes wrong look right. If we listen to his twistings, his false reasonings, but the pleasures that the devil 
tries to indicate are there in sinful practices, they're short-lived and they're ultimately destructive. Turning the uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 24, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing or fleeting or temporary pleasures of sin. And one translation says, for a season. In other words, again, emphasizing just a on a temporary basis. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. Moses realized, I need to take a stand. I need to walk with God. And I cannot do that as effectively living in the household of Pharaoh as a son of Pharaoh's daughter as I can in living and walking with my own people, God's people, the Israelites. We have to make that choice. We have to take that stand. Sodom and Gomorrah, those cities, those peoples, they learned the lesson the hard way. Living a life of unrighteousness will keep us out of heaven. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse, 19, with verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Bottom line, what does that mean? Boiled down, not going to be in heaven. We cannot live in sinfulness on a consistent basis and hope to have that home in heaven with God for all of eternity. There will be a day of judgment, no question. There will be a day of accountability when our Lord comes again. Acts 17, beginning with verse 30. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, the Apostle Paul was teaching there in Athens on that day. But now commands all men everywhere to repent he calls upon us to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And then he identifies who that man is. Jesus, our Savior. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Yes, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may give account of the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. That day will come for every single one of us. And Paul wrote further in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 7, that all who live unrighteous lives without repenting and coming to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation through the blood that he shed on the cross for each one of us will learn the same lesson as did the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. An ultimate destiny that is too horrible to even consider 
for ourselves personally. And no matter what people say, no matter how people try to explain it away, hell is a real place, just as real as is heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 8, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hell is real. You are in a lifelong battle. Every single one of us is. A lifelong battle against the devil for your soul. Always the conflict is on. As we bring this first part of this study to a conclusion, do not let the devil beat you this year. And I'm not talking about just through the month of January. I'm talking about throughout the year and every year thereafter. Do not let him beat you. Do not let him hold you down. Do not let the devil win. Don't give in to his allurements. In Ephesians 6 and verse 11, here's the encouragement from the Apostle Paul. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he lists those implements one by one. God has provided the protection, the strength for you to have victory over the devil, but that victory is only found in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, at the end of that incredible chapter in the resurrection, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the assurance as we think, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can stay faithful. I don't think I can be that strong. John says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you, as you become a Christian, is greater than he who is in the world. God is greater than the devil. God is more powerful than the devil. God, remember 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, will not allow you to be tempted with some temptation that is so overwhelming that you can't say no to it, but God will be faithful to you as you're faithful to him and will always make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. So the invitation again, come to me, Jesus says. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's that peace. There's that rest for your soul. There's that hope that he offers you. James 4 and verse 7 again, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And 1 John chapter 5, beginning with verse 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. You can have that faith. But it can't just be verbalized. It has to be lived. It has to be you. It has to be your life. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and puts that faith into action consistently every day of his life. If you need to be baptized into Christ, 
The Lord's invitation is extended to you. Come to me, he says. He's already paid the price. All you have to do is respond. If you need the prayers of the church, maybe for strength, maybe for forgiveness, whatever the case, we're here. Step forward and let us know so we can pray with you and for you. Or talk with us privately so we can pray with you. If you need to study, just ask. We will help that to happen for you. If you need to come, come right now. Come to me, Jesus says, as we stand and sing.